Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode one of the Deadliest Warrior podcast. This week, we'll be covering the Spartan versus the Ninja. I am your host, Matt Davis, and joining me in our high-tech fight club in the rolling hills of the steel city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, are my colleagues, Craig Taylor and Lucas Earhart from Green Dice Games. Hey, Green Dice Productions, shout out. How are we doing today, guys? You guys feeling good? I'm good. The uh, audio went off without a hitch, so I am uh, <laughs> raring to go. <laughs> so this is, of course, episode one. Uh, we're starting off, though, with the Spartan versus the Ninja. So Deadliest Warrior, for those of you who don't know, show that aired on Spike TV from 2009 to 2011. It is the best show ever made, objectively, right? <laughs> Uh, and <laughs> we're going to be spending the next hour talking about maybe why it's not the best show. Ever. <laughs> um, we're starting with Spartan versus Ninja, even though the first episode, when you look up the list of the series, is Apache versus Gladiator. Spartan versus Ninja is the pilot. When you watch it, you can tell it's filmed in a different location. It was filmed in 2007, and we just figured it's. Much more iconic to the series. It's the quintessential Deadliest Warrior episode. Yeah, I, look at any Deadliest Warrior logo, anything, the game, mm-hmm. anything. Who's on the cover? It's the Spartan and the Ninja. Yeah, yeah. It it really is the quintessential episode. So, without further ado, why don't why don't we get into it here? So, Spartan vs. Ninja. We get the intro from uh, the legendary actor David Wenham. You got you might know him as the dude from Three Hundred. <laughs> or uh, Faramir from Lord of the Rings. Uh, fun fact about David Wenham is he went, for the entirety of this show's run, he went under a pseudoname for this show. The narrator was listed as Matthew Sky. I can't imagine why he wouldn't want to be attached <laughs> to such a fine program. Uh, <laughs> but he intros it by going, I'm going to try to do the David Wenham voice, all right? <clears throat> the Spartan. The Battlefield Butcher from Ancient Greece versus the Ninja, legendary master of death from Japan. <laughs> the amount of times we've tried to imitate that voice throughout our childhood, I can't even begin to think about. I know. I That that narrating voice is like an inner monologue in my head. You See, know, We were like peak age for this show, too, when it came out. Like yes. We were, what, around like... Maybe middle schoolish age. Yes, we were we were in junior high and like early high school. When yeah, this we show were came the peak out. audience for this show. Yeah, yeah as uh, contrary to what Spike might have you believe as like the man channel, it was very much <laughs> a channel for young boys. Yes, it, it was. It, it was <laughs> Deadliest Warrior, Mansers, Thousand um, Ways to Die, a Thousand Ways to Die, and then Spike also had a lot of like early UFC stuff too, which is why random UFC. <laughs> Uh, people appear in the Deadliest Warrior show. Uh, yeah, one we, one we'll thing that, that I uh, <laughs> I find really interesting in researching for this for the podcast, I am truly fascinated with all of the different like actors and overlap with people that are actually in the cast. Like, there's so many people where you look at them and you're like, oh, this is probably just an actor. Yeah, that's something I'm hoping to uncover as we dive more. So in. we got uh, we'll be covering that. Today, oh, yes, that's for sure. Something <laughs> we will just uncover about Deadliest Warrior is that it it's sort of coming off as a like reality show. Right. That's presenting like pseudo science sort of. 
uh, when really I, I'm pretty sure our thesis of this podcast is that Deadliest Warrior is a scripted work of fiction. <laughs> and even though they get the occasional like legitimate expert in on something, the majority of air quotes experts are just stunt actors or, uh, you know, TV models. <laughs> so we'll, we'll be diving into that. Um, for this episode, I'm going to be walking us through the the plot, if you will. And we have Craig, who is our in-house ninja researcher. Uh, I'm glad you didn't use the word expert. Right. So I could use the expert, uh, the word expert in the way the Deadliest Warrior uses it, <laughs> because even though you guys have done about a week of combing on the Internet, I feel like you guys know more about the Warriors than anybody that was on the show. <laughs> yeah, fun fact, I got more qualified in four hours than uh, some of the experts for the Spartans. Right, <laughs> yeah. So um, before we get into the experts for the shows, I wanted to cover the hosts because this is the first episode and the hosts are such a big character of this show. So we have Jeff Damalin who is described to us as a scientist and karate black belt. Uh, so his moniker on the show is biomedical engineer. And from what I could tell in my research, Jeff Damalin is legit. He is a biomedical engineer. And I do really, one thing I love about the show, and we will be doing a running bit, is that Jeff's resume grows almost every episode, including this one. They add a new profession that he's like done. So we will be we will be adding this segment, uh, Jeff Damalin resume. <laughs> I want the total list at the very end, this ridiculously long five yes. page resume of everything this man is certified in. He's like Batman. <laughs> he is. He is like Batman. Uh, he ends up with like 20 jobs by the end of the show. So uh, we also have Max Geiger, who is described as a 21 year old computer whiz. Max Geiger works in computer programming. Uh, this is from my research. He seems to primarily work in game design. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. You can Google him. He's got. He's a pretty like public figure. Uh, so he runs the simulation. Uh, the simulation. So this is another. That's another character. Yeah, this is another character in the show, and a question we want answered. <laughs> Max Geiger, if you're listening, please come on the show. We want to ask you the question: Is the sim real um is the simulation that the show is based on real uh from what i can tell from max geiger's uh, reddit ama and also if you comb through the forums on the slytherin website the sim is real and it's based so it's real but it's really just a modified version of a game that slytherin studios made called mm -hmm. What is Slytherin Studios here, just for anyone who doesn't know? Yeah, so Slytherin Studios, and they say it on the show, that they're the designers of the simulation that the show uses to determine who is deadliest, right? And Slytherin Studios is just a, they make video games. They're a programming company that designs a lot of computer games, a lot of like historical battle games um totally accurate battle simulator yeah yeah right <laughs> <Type> games <laughs> uh and you guys are gonna crack up when you hear what the game they used for deadliest warrior is because they modified it just a little bit so it's called the history channel great battles of rome <laughs> <laughs> that is i don't know how you 
modify the code to get a Spetsnaz's Sega shotgun <laughs> in History Channel Great Battles of Rome. Max Geiger, that's why we need you on here, bud. But <laughs> we will be debating throughout the show whether the sim is actually real or not. <laughs> did, they, did they consult the developers and, and ask... I wouldn't get Pol Pot in this game. Right. Because yeah. <laughs> my biggest thing, every time they show the sim, what is it? It's a Microsoft Excel, yes. Excel sheet and like maybe some little bit of pictures and graphs yeah. in the background. You'll, you'll <laughs> oftentimes see on this show superimposed like green screen effects onto Max Geiger's computer monitor that are clearly like effects that they put on his screen and not actually what's on his screen. <laughs> So it's it's shrouded in in much mystery. So it begs the question: Is this a real thing that they're trying to keep secret, or uh, is the sim just like the writer of the show sitting down and be like, I don't know, 123 kills sounds good <laughs> for the Ninjato, <laughs> just writing that down. Uh, and the third host I want to cover is the beloved Dr. Armand Dorian, <laughs> who is a real-life ER doctor. That is true. And the way I think he found his way onto this show is that he is an MMA doctor. He, I don't know if he still does that or not, but he was an MMA doctor for a while, patching up fighters on Spike TV. So hence why they have him on here. All right, now let's get into the meat. So at the beginning of the episode, we are introduced to... Team Spartans experts, all right? And we have one of the most beloved characters of the show, Barry Jacobson. (laughs) Barry Jacobson reminds us of the meme of the golden retriever in the camo hat that says, my daughter ain't dating no black lab. (laughs) (laughs) He he just has that look about him. He's like bald dad look going on. Uh, But he's monikered as a former Green Beret and Spartan historian. You can also... uh, uh, so when I researched him a little bit, he is the historical advisor for the show. He's an associate producer for the show, Deadliest Warrior. So he's involved in all of these episodes, just behind the scenes. Uh, and I couldn't, I couldn't tell if his Green Beret service is legitimate or not. But I, everywhere I checked, it says that he was in the Army Special Forces. So I'm assuming he's telling the truth about that. Um, uh, and the other guy is Jeremy Dunn, uh, who doesn't get an intro, and is, <laughs> but wields a lot of the Spartan weapons. And you can look him up on IMDb. He's an actor, a model, and a stunt performer. <laughs> That's going to be a recurring theme is that most of the experts are just stunt actors. Uh, he was in the Pirates of the Caribbean, Amazing Spider-Man, etc. So before we move on to Team Ninja, I wanted to ask you, Luke, because you've done some of the research. Oh, yes. Please tell us a little bit about the Spartans and the Battle of Thermopylae because a certain movie came out around the time. <laughs> I'm going to address the elephant in the room of this show, and I just want you to get into it a little bit. What What did you find? Let me start off. Just let me take my uh, the my impression of these um, of the experts for the Spartans because this was kind of like a little bit of a wake up call for me that like. Hey, you know, I watched this, you know, we said we're in like junior high. That the show is fake. Yeah, pretty much. This is like my first taste that, hey, the show is fake, buddy. Maybe Ric Flair is an actor. (laughs) So we got the Jeremy Dunn guy. Yeah, I looked him up and he is a weapons expert. And nowhere could I find anything other than him just being a straight up actor and stunt guy. He has no qualifications with any medieval weapons, has no qualifications. Pretty much, I assume, with just 
weapons in general that I could find. Jeremy, if you're out there, go ahead and correct me. Seven (laughs) year certifications, but from what I could see, bud, just an actor. (laughs) And I was like, all right, that was my first red flag. But uh, yeah, Barry Johnson, uh, Jacobson, yeah, everywhere I looked to, um, seemed everyone says he was a former Green Beret, so I'll take it at face value. I I mean, he looks like it. He seems like he We only harp on the Green Beret thing, to be clear, because there is a a controversy that happens in season three with uh robert Rob- daly. yes robert daly uh who they announced for the entirety of season three as a former green beret and it turns out he just lied about that to get on the show <laughs> which calls into question the authenticity of any of these people right yes well, I, think, I think barry's got a pretty good i mean from what I, yeah he was an associate producer on the show and the history advisor for most of uh season one and two at least yeah. And he is a medieval combat reenactor for 35 years um, before the show. And he also formed a Spartan war band that would uh, was a combat group that would recreate Spartan culture because that's something you want to do, right? Hey, he's just he's a history buff. And yeah, hats off to Barry. Yeah, I, I guess we love Barry because he gives us a couple good taglines. And he also I, is one of the few experts that checks out as like legit to what he claims to be. So he's also your girlfriend's dad, who you are praying you do not end up alone in a room with. <laughs> yes, yes, very, very looks like he could be pretty intimidating. So oh no, something's stomping into the room right now. It's the elephant in the yes. room. Yeah, the movie three hundred. <laughs> Ever since that movie has come out, it has taken this battle. There's this historical battle and just blown it out of proportion to the point that, like, a Spartan has become pretty much like a superhero in people's eyes. I mean, people are getting tattoos on it. Yes. The Moulin Lave tattoos. I think there's a lot of... We won't go into it because this isn't the 300 no, podcast. But I just wanted to touch on There's a lot of, like, I think with the timing of that movie coming out with the United States having a war in the Middle East, like, that... What like American culture has adopted like three hundred and the Spartans as a sort of uh Rocky versus <laughs> Ivan story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they they really think that like Leonidas it like they're Leonidas, you know. There's a lot of Joe Rogan aesthetic yeah. uh <laughs> going on there. Yes. <laughs> By the way, we love you, Joe. It gives a stigma <laughs> where, like, anyone, like, anytime you tell someone, like, you know, there's some sort of people out there that genuinely are really interested in Sparta's history and they like the Spartans. You're now lumped in with every douchebag wearing a tap out t shirt doing the Spartan <laughs> race. <laughs> yeah. So the Battle of Thermopylae, uh, Lucas. So according to all my sources, it was 300 Spartans versus approximately 3 billion Persian uh, <laughs> men-at-arms, and the Spartans you, won. Yeah, Oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> Let me tell you, even on the show itself, it says that there's half a million Persians. Yeah. Uh, I got some real there's no way. <laughs> numbers here. There was about 300,000, okay. which is, you know, it's still impressive. Well, with the 300 Spartans, there was about 7,000 other soldiers from yeah. various places. And uh, even on the show, it says the Spartans racked up. 200,000 kills when um, still respectable in real life. Yeah. Uh, Go Spartans. The real number was around 20,000, which is about, you know, and uh, less. (laughs) I just wanted to bring this up because I'm going to bring up this with the ninjas, uh, something similar to this with the ninja as well. But it's interesting that this is a 1v1 fight because historically Spartans fought in a phalanx. Oh, yes. Isn't that right? 
That is correct. Yeah, they would fight kind of shoulder to shoulder with the shields out in front of them. Yeah. Something that will get completely ripped apart and their entire fighting strategy gets destroyed by this show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's move on to Team Ninja here. We have, uh, we busted out laughing when Lou Klein came on screen. <laughs> so I have something to say about Lou Klein. Um, Lou Klein is monikered as a ninjutsu master. And I just wrote, this is a total fabrication uh, because there's nothing called ninjutsu. It's called ninjutsu. So the show gets that wrong somehow. From everything I could find, Lou Klein might know some martial arts, um, but I he's just a stunt actor. Uh, For what? Uh, <laughs> I on I couldn't like American find American Pie, so I couldn't find anything on his IMDb page. Um, I just found out that he like does stunt work. So uh, I also, when I was searching for Lou Klein, I was going into such deep depths of the internet that I was like, my computer gave me a security warning about like crypto <laughs> crypto jacking at one point, and I and it was at that point I decided I don't need to know any more about Lou. So Lou. If you want to call into the show uh, for next week, hit us up. E- send us an email. Uh, we'd love to hear. We'd love to hear about your experience on the show. Please tell us what your qualifications are. Uh, the Is it, uh, ninjutsu. Ninjutsu. The other. Uh, the other expert is Michael Lair. And you can find a ton about Michael Lair. He's introduced as a karate instructor and black belt in four different martial arts. I didn't bother to fact check that. It's probably true. Um, But he's like, you can search him on IMDb as a long resume as a stunt actor. He worked in films like John Wick. He was most recently in the Mulan Mulan 2020 film. Uh, So, uh, and you can kind of tell he's an actor because he's really hamming it up on this episode. (laughs) He's definitely probably one of the most passionate presenters i've seen on deadliest Warriors. yes he does his job very he does two splits and does his job very yes well. so i wanted to bring that up when we first see him he's doing a split on the floor <laughs> straight balls making contact with the floor so craig i want to turn to you as our resident uh ninja researcher go ahead, go ahead say expert expert our, our resident ninja uh, ninja expert uh <laughs> Well, let me the, do a split real quick. <laughs> the show presents the ninjas. They present this narrative that ninjas were peasant farmers in feudal Japan, and they had to fight against the samurai class, which is like the knights of Japan, uh, roughly speaking. And in order to stand toe to toe with these armored and well-armed people, these farmers donned uh, you know, stealth clothing and sort of snuck around at night. What is the truth about the ninja? Is this accurate or what have you found in your studies? So I found that the ninja as we know it popularly is not real. Yeah. Which (laughs) (laughs) in looking back on the show, they speak of everything so factually. Yeah. And so ninjas to say ninjas weren't real isn't entirely accurate. So Ninjas were, a lot of times they were lower class, so they weren't often written about. So that's why there's kind of shaky uh, historical info on them. But they worked with the samurai a lot. Um, They served daimyos as mercenaries and spies. So a lot of times they're more specialized samurai for, like, you know. Yeah, I kind of always thought, like, maybe a ninja is 
because samurai have a strict code of Bushido where sneaking around and assassinating people is not uh, exactly within their code of honor, but maybe donning the disguise of a ninja would allow someone to do the necessities of warfare, you know, without bringing dishonor to themselves or... Yeah, I mean, the whole dishonor thing, too, brings up another good point. I, I saw one source that said there is no historical evidence that a ninja has ever killed anyone. Interesting. Which is, uh, on a show called Deadliest Warrior, is, is pretty <laughs> incredible. I mean, it, it kind of makes you wonder, it, it almost makes the later uh, Vampire vs. Zombie episode feel like the most authentic episode, because at least there, they're like, okay, what would this These are fake. be yeah. like? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it, it just made my mind scramble, realizing yeah. all the different ways that uh, some of the stuff was a little inaccurate. You, so. so you brought up something off screen uh, before we started recording, and you mentioned, I liked it so much I wanted to bring it up here, that you mentioned the warriors presented on Deadliest Warrior, even when they're real people, like real historical figures, are romanticized versions of those warriors there, you know, it's, it's the mythical idea of what a ninja is, right? Yeah. And it, in reality, that's almost preferable because if you're talking with your buddies who'd win in a fight, a ninja versus right. Spartan, you don't care that a uh, right. ninja was actually like a special spy samurai. You want like the classic <laughs> version. Yeah. You're picturing like the Halloween costume. Yeah. <laughs> Shredder from the Ninja Turtles fighting Leonidas, King Leonidas. <laughs> yeah. But obviously that clashes with a lot of this historical like stuff that they try to quote from. And especially in later seasons when they're pulling like, oh, he had Alzheimer's later in life or just stupid stuff. Yes. that That is like hyper realistic and historical. Yes. It like clashes with the show big time. Yeah. So that's why I'm also looking forward to seeing in later researches <laughs> if this continues or maybe they truly do get stick to more yeah. authentic stuff. I so a, it just I got a question for you, Craig. Sure. Did you find anything about the outfit that they portray the ninja in? Yeah. So the, the we're talking about that uh, quintessential yeah. all black like gi kind I of with a black face mask yeah, that I only found has something on it, too. And I, I want to hear. Yeah what you found. I want to see if it lines up with what I found out about that outfit. So the, that black suit and the modern idea of what a ninja is apparently started with like a James Bond film. Like that was, uh, where that image came from. And so like Ninja, I don't think wore all black primarily. Like they was like maybe a more modified version of that. And there's in the Ninja handbook, uh, there's, mention of like wearing all black to blend in with the shadow but i don't think anyone actually walked around in that spirit halloween outfit. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> what i found out about that outfit that like is your stereotypical halloween costume uh it was something called a kabuki theater outfit that background like theater uh helpers would wear in like feudal japan and like old time japan to move set pieces around and they would wear the all black with their eyes cut out and then occasionally if like the play called for it, they would jump out and like scare an actor to help the play along in that black outfit. And that's where this idea that these ninjas would wear these Kabuki theater outfits, Interesting. I guess, came from. That's I have no idea. Someone could fact check me on that. That is just <laughs> what I saw. <laughs> that's very interesting. And the last thing I wanted to say about the ninja before we move into the weapons is that I'm sure we'll talk about it a lot, but. I brought up the fact that the Spartan is primarily a phalanx warrior and they throw him into a 1v1 battle here. 
the ninja, however real the ninja is, we know the idea of the ninja. To me, the ninja's whole quintessential, like the centerpiece of it is stealth, right? Sneaking around and to throw the ninja into a 1v1, like, all right, we're just going to throw him into a, <laughs> a, you know, a simulated arena in this computer and they're going to fight to the death. It's just kind of like, well, Ninja wasn't really even designed for that. <laughs> it's an you know? assassin versus like just a, a beta male armored up, like made to go head on warrior. <laughs> you are you are stepping on some toes calling the Spartans beta males. Wow, that is <laughs> going to we're going to be getting dislikes here. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's one of the the biggest things you talk about with the mismatch here is yeah. that a ninja would never fight uh, a Spartan in a middle of a field in Los Angeles. Like, it, they would. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, that was a joke, of course, as Spartans are alphas. <laughs> For the guy out there getting mad at them. Barry Jacobson. The, the original Chads. Uh, so the weapons. So I'm going to be bouncing a lot of this stuff off you guys, but I wanted to give one observation for those of you watching the show. When you watch the show, this is something it took me forever to realize until recently. They add in so many cheesy sound effects when people are testing the (laughs) weapons. I'm not talking about the little reenactments with the people in the costumes. I'm talking about like when Lou Klein is throwing shurikens at a wooden wooden target you can hear like a like a little spinning through the through the air sound effect that someone edited into that so always pay attention to that because those are so they entertain the hell out of me because they they add all sort of sound effects like that um so our first weapons that were given it's at mid-range and it's the spear versus the black eggs so the spear, not much to say. They label it as a wood shaft with an iron tip. Um, insert your phallic jokes in the comments below. Um, so they test the spear by jamming it into a dummy and seeing how the uh, the kinetic power registers. And then they jam it into a ballistics gel. Now, ballistics gels are a centerpiece of this show. I have a bone to pick with ballistics gel. (laughs) I'm going to get to you in a second. They are constantly testing things on pig carcasses and ballistic gels. Lucas, what do you think about a ballistic... What do you think about the validity of testing a ballistic gel against an edged weapon? Absolute bullshit. (laughs) It's in the name. Say it with me. Ballistics gel. It's not poke it with a sword, slash it with a sword, poke it with a spear gel. It's meant for ammunition. It's meant for testing on um, guns. Against bullets. Yes. It's completely invalid. Uh, It's not the same density as human tissue whenever you're using like a bladed or. I would point this out. You can watch on Deadliest Warrior and see it firsthand. People take their fingers and poke right through the ballistics gel <laughs> at times. So oh, I just poked right through my chest by accident. Is it the same? <laughs> is it mimicking the density of human skin? Uh, yes, but that's for like kinetic projectiles like bullets. For a spear, 
like if you can poke you I cannot poke my finger through my forearm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so the fact that you can do that obviously means ballistic gels are much softer. It's like making a bowl of jello, hitting it with a spear and saying Look at that damage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so no doubt the spear would do a lot of damage to you if it if you got stabbed with it. But uh, yeah, the ballistics gel, a little questionable. Um, what do you you have anything to say about the spear, Luke? Um, not really. Uh, just a couple facts about it. It's uh, originally called a dory, and uh, they had a spike on the backside too, which was for uh, if the tip broke off, you can spin it around. I believe it's and for still. balancing as well. Too. Yeah, you could stick it in the ground. Uh, here's a fun fact because we're going to be covering the, the, the javelin soon. The Spartan warriors were not allowed to throw their spears. That was like a big no-no. You'd get punished for that. But Leonidas does it in slow motion. Yeah, and uh, it's almost <laughs> like that movie's complete made up. <laughs> <laughs> I see. So no well, I mean, spear the throwing. Pretty cut and dry, though. I mean, it's a big pointy stick. It's very effective. Yeah. It's. I mean, they put it up against. You know, we, oh. we're covering the black egg. Yes. It's. It's not a fair fight. <laughs> so Craig. The ninja at mid-range is given the black egg, which is supposed to be filled with crushed glass or chili pepper. You can crush it in your hand and throw it in a guy's eye. A couple things I just want to note. They're giving the ninja a non-lethal weapon here. Like, you can't kill anybody by throwing glass in their eyeball. Um, You know, little pieces of glass. Uh, And it's their whole thing, though, is that this is a weapon for fighting an armored opponent. Like... Ninjas would use this against samurai. They would blind them so that they could get a critical strike on a non-armored part. Uh, I have a couple things to ask you, Craig, but do you have anything in general you just want to say about the Black Egg? Well, I'll say this in general about all of the ninjas' weapons. Most of them, if you look them up on Wikipedia, <laughs> all say how they were utilized by the samurai. Right. So, like, looking up uh, the shuriken or, like, the kusarigama, all that stuff talks about lethality with... Samurai, because again, ninjas to an extent aren't real. So, right. um, I honestly couldn't find a lot on black eggs. I don't think it was made up because I think where a lot of it comes from is the ninja handbook. They talk about a lot of ways to, to be crafty, and I fully believe that there's probably a chapter on uh, hollowing you know, out eggs exactly because there was information on like. Uh, incendiary devices, explosives that Ninja could craft in in this handbook. So I imagine it's sourced from that. Yeah. Is that that thing you download off the internet and the FBI comes after you? (laughs) (laughs) Black egg. Yeah. I did. I found a couple facts about it. Um, I found that they never used glass in them because glass was a rare commodity in ancient Japan. So they would not use it as a weapon. That's a great point that I didn't even think about. Yeah. Yeah. And they did not use chicken eggs because they were way too big and hard to conceal. You know who could afford uh, some (laughs) glass as a samurai, probably. Uh, A little more richer than the peasant farmer. It said, when I saw it, they said they would fill it with like pepper and stuff, which is fine. You get that in your eyes, it's going to suck. Yeah. Um, how is that any different from just me ble- like leaning down, grabbing a handful of sand and throwing <laughs> it in your face? <laughs> um, Craig, what do, did you look up anything? I, I was curious about this because they sort of imply on the show that ninjas disappearing into a cloud of dust is because of this weapon. Because uh, they throw the, the, the shards of glass into your, your eyeballs and they disappear. Um, What's up with that? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard to tell what's myth and what's real with the ninja because so much of it is romanticized. I would imagine that this was a stealth tactic, considering ninjas historically never killed anybody. Mm-hmm. This is probably used in spying, you know, and, and ninjutsu being this ninja arts in general. I don't think anyone really thought that they had special powers. Yeah. But I think that they maybe were confused and right things like that so i have a feeling that it's not they didn't literally think they were they do acknowledge in the aftermath of this episode that ninjas also had smoke bombs at their disposal way more practical (laughs) right i I just don't know maybe this is like the poor man's smoke bomb maybe they Uh, present it as like an offensive weapon yeah i feel like that would be like a getaway weapon wouldn't it like so let let's get into this they give the edge so for those of you who don't know, uh, go watch the show. Um, but for those of you who don't know, when they test a weapon against another weapon, right, one warrior against another's, they give an edge. Now, that doesn't always translate it to getting more kills in the sim, which is why I kind of think the sim might be real. It's just like a rudimentary like game, you know, like a computer <laughs> game. Uh, instead of someone just making it up. But they give the edge to the spear in this case because the spear kills and the black egg doesn't. Uh, do we agree? I'm, I'm going to go with Craig first. Do you agree with the spear getting the edge over Real the black quick, egg? I'm going to interject because uh, okay. I wrote down the stats from the, the simulation. The Just for reference, the spear got 210 kills and the black egg got zero. <laughs> right, yes. We will go over those stats at the very end, too. But do you agree with the edge, Craig? It's a fucking egg. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, obviously, it's a little hyperbolic. But, yeah. I mean, the spear is such an important weapon to the Spartan. I yeah. mean, was this – this was medium range? It wasn't like special weapon. This is mid-range. The, the special weapon is the shield. Uh, the Kasarigama. Yeah, the yeah. shield versus the Kasarigama, yes. Yeah, and I think Kasarigama is a way better mid-range weapon. Yes. To test. The, yeah. the Black Egg is the definition of special. Yeah. Like, so, just terrible match. I mean, that would have been like yeah. at least an exciting matchup because based off of the kills, which we'll go over the end, I mean, the spear and... Uh, Kasarigama. Kasarigama. They yeah. come pretty close. Yeah, they're pretty close. Like, it would have been a much better matchup, I think. Yeah. Uh, I, I, don't, I feel like I don't need to ask Luke. You're going to... Give well, the edge to the spear, let me, right? Let me just put it this way. Um, uh, a guy comes up to me and says, I can stab you with a spear or throw an egg at your face. <laughs> right. <laughs> throw some uh, chili, some Frank's Red Hot in your eyeballs. <laughs> one I can recover from in about, you know, 10 minutes. Yeah. One, uh, one I don't recover from. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I would, obviously, I agree with the edge going to the spear, but for what it's worth. But... I, I question why the black egg isn't used in combination with another weapon. Like, it's not used in tangentially with another weapon, considering it gets no kills. I think it's even demonstrated with a sigh. Like, yes. he has a sigh when he throws it. Yes, he does. So, I'm curious if behind the scenes, because in the aftermath for this episode, Barry Jacobson says they test a lot of different ninja weapons in the pilot that don't make the final cut. And so I am curious if the black egg was used in conjunction with like a different weapon, because I feel like it should be. I feel like 
it's not fair to put the black keg on its own because it's not surprising that it gets no kills. Like, yeah, like it's the, not a lethal weapon, so it should. I feel like it should be, oh, the Ninjato combined with the black egg, right? Because the Spartan is getting his sword with a shield, you know. So, I don't know. Um, just an interesting thought. Are you guys ready to move on to the next set of weapons? Or yeah, I think so. I, okay. I think we've pretty much uh, beat that horse to death. Yeah, pretty one sided. <laughs> So when we move on to the close-range weapons, we get the Spartan Short Sword, uh, otherwise known as a Xyphos, versus, uh, I'm going to pronounce it Ninjato. Uh, That's how they say it on the show, and then they go Ninjato. Not so, fine. Yes, so we'll get to that. Um, Ninjato notes, it's made out of tempered carbon steel. Um, yeah, so probably the most memorable thing about the Ninjato is that Lou Klein introduces it and goes, It's a variation of the actual samurai katana called a ninjutsu. The ninjutsu. <laughs> so I, for the purposes of this podcast, am going to be saying ninjutsu because I could just as easily see Lou Klein like faking the, that, <laughs> that like accent on there being like, you know, the stunt actor being like, this is the ninjutsu. Yeah. <laughs> I have a perfect interjection here. Because it doesn't matter. And because of what I could find based off my research, it's not a real sword and it doesn't exist. Uh, um, okay. what I found... It seems to just be a short katana. Yeah, the Ninjata right? was created essentially by Hollywood. And yeah, it's just a shorter, flatter katana. But back whenever the ninja would have existed, from everything I could find, they would have just used a katana. Okay. Craig, what did you find about the Ninjato? Because I could definitely see a real Ninjato existing. I didn't research it at all. But they, they, they predicate on the show that maybe the purpose of a Ninjato is that it's it's in a full-length samurai uh, sheath, right? A full-length katana sheath, but it's a shorter sword, so you can deceive an opponent into drawing quicker than them because your blade will come out quicker. Uh did you find anything on the Ninjato? Matt, I love the enthusiasm, but let me read you this uh, off of Wikipedia. <laughs> Historically, there is no physical evidence for the <laughs> existence of this katana-like short sword legendarily used by ninja before the 20th century. I'm glad that was conclusive because uh, I was yes. like, maybe it does. Like, I second-guessed yeah. my own no. research. I was like, maybe it does exist. I'm but. glad both of you came to the same. So <laughs> I'm finding more and more credence that uh, the ninja... The whole ninja ethos just comes from like James Bond and Hollywood, just early than, Hollywood movies than it yeah. does from ancient Japan. Uh, but there's a qualified expert in a sword that doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, another interesting note is that Lou Klein claims it will it will cut through bronze armor because it's steel, yet they never test that. Um, <laughs> I maybe they tested it off camera and That's like it, it dents the armor and they just didn't want to show well, that. How funny would it be he does it like the sword busts in half or something? <laughs> uh so I don't know. Interesting. If anyone's got a bronze cuirass around, try hitting your katana off it and see see what happens. <laughs> no, go to the fairy mythical realm and get a ninjutsu and then hit it. <laughs> now, I have to stop the podcast completely, gentlemen, to say we have our first Jeff Damelin career alert <laughs> when he's examining 
the pig carcass, David Wenham informs us that Jeff Damelin was also a former paramedic. <laughs> so right now the count is at three. He is a biomedical engineer. He is a karate black belt. And he is a former paramedic. That's that's the, the Damelin count. What a career change. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we can move on to the short sword then. So the Xiphos, I do believe, did exist. That is correct. Right? <laughs> it is a real sword. Um, it was actually, there was two common swords, and they didn't even cover the more common sword, mm. which was the the Copus. Yes. Which, uh, the fun Xiphos, fact. Fun fact. The Copus, Greek word for cut, I believe. The yes. Copus is covered in a later episode. Yeah. It is Alexander the Great's sword in uh, season two. But... But the anyway. difference between the two, the Xiphos was used more for the, the stabby stabby, mm-hmm. and uh, Copus was the slashy slashy. Yes, and uh, <laughs> the only nothing real notable about it. It's just it's a little tiny short sword. A lot of Greek people used uh, swords that were like two feet long. The only thing special about it, it's twelve inches. Um, and on the show, okay, I love this. On the show, yep. at the bottom in the facts, it says made with forged steel. <laughs> Let me be clear that right. when was forged steel made? Like the 1800s? <laughs> I don't think the Spartan soldiers. Uh, the only thing I could find is that there was a, there was like one random obscure website that said that Spartans had an obscure, like, kind of ghetto made steel that they attempted to make themselves interesting i highly doubt it it's just like probably a bronze weapon right it's a bronze and iron sword yeah Yeah. it is not steel but the (laughs) the one they use on the episode is probably forged steel like a lot of the spartan (laughs) weapons the remakes they use on the show are complete bullshit yeah (laughs) um yeah the sword the sword ends up getting bent on the steel spine and Barry Jacobson credits that to like bronze bending against the steel. Uh, uh, steel on steel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they test both swords against a pig carcass because uh, they can't decide which one's more lethal, uh, even though one is like considerably longer than the other. Uh, and it's not fair because a ninjato, which isn't a real sword, so let's say a katana, katana is a two handed weapon. Um, and a Xiphos is a worse sword, I guess, if that's all you have, but they don't bother to <laughs> factor in that, like, a Spartan would have his shield in the other hand. Yeah. I'm sure the Sim factors that in, maybe, but in their tests, it's always funny to me that they're like, well, what's better between a Ninjato and a Xiphos? What would you rather have? And it's like, I mean, if it means I get that giant shield, I'd rather have the littler <laughs> yeah, sword. It's almost I, like it right? works hand in hand. I got something like, please explain to me how you get data from cutting a pig in half. And I want to <laughs> loop back around that the Kaifos, the, the Kaifos was their slashing sword. So why is he slashing at it with a Xiphos yes, instead, or instead of the Copus? Instead sorry. of the Copus. Why is he slashing at it? An already cut in half pig. So... They both. What happens in the show is they both test it on a ballistics gel, and shocker, both swords are capable of killing a ballistics gel dummy. The doctor comes over, Doctor Armand, who has collects the easiest paycheck of his life from this show, comes over. Barry Jacobson buries this sword into this uh, in this uh, dummy's like bowels, and the doctor's like, "Yeah, he would die." Death blow. And, and, so they bring out a pig and hang it from a ceiling. 
the Ninjato cuts it in half, and the Xyphos... Barry Jacobson is left to swing at, like, the hind end of the pig because they didn't have another <laughs> pig on set, like I'm assuming. It's, like, six feet off the ground, yeah. too. And he, he's not able to cut it in half because it's not a cutting sword. It's a thrusting sword. Uh, and because of the pig carcass test, they give the edge to the Ninjato. Um, Craig, do you agree... Uh, do you have anything more to say about the short sword and the Ninjato? Do you agree with the edge given? I guess so. I mean, their justification is just that, well, the Ninjato is faster. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much all they say. I really feel like they threw up their hands. I mean, we also <laughs> theorize that they're like, okay, we need to be too, too, too. Yes. Or else it's going to be too obvious. That's I'm, a big theme of the show. Yes. The Ninjato uh, is steel, isn't it? Yes, it so is. So at the end of the day, it's just a steel sword versus what? Like an iron or bronze sword? Yeah. I mean, the steel sword's better. Yeah, it, I, <laughs> I I agree with the Ninjato getting the edge as it's presented. Um, in conjunction with the shield, it might be a little different, but like sword on sword, Ninjato, even though it's a fake sword, is the better sword. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Craig, like the making the edges even, because it's clear that the edges are a narrative tool that they use in the script to like they will bend it whatever way they need to to try and make sure that it ends up as even edges before the final battle. I think there's one episode maybe where it's uneven. I do remember. I there's, there's a couple. There's a handful yeah. where it happens. But you'll notice in season one, it's a little bit par for the course. Like you'll have episodes where some people have like six weapons but eventually they distill it down in season two to each weapon, each warrior having four weapons. And that allows them to do four tests and do two on one side and two on the other. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and this episode is not an exception. They do go <laughs> they do go two and two on this one. Uh, all right. With nothing more, we can move on to long range if you guys want. We got the javelin versus the blowgun in the shuriken combo. Um, Craig, I want you to talk about the blowgun first. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure it exists. Is this real? <laughs> From my understanding, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, so the blowgun existed, again, not used in the sense that they present it because it would be used probably to knock people out or something like that, um, or just as a kind of a non-lethal alternative, so. Yeah, they present it as, like, a surprise attack, but then also say it's a poison dart, and I wonder, like, how logistically that would work. You'd put, like, snake venom on the tip of your dart and then shoot at your <laughs> shoot at the Spartan. By the way, they do insert that sound effect when they're blowing the blow gun. I <laughs> yeah. I, I do love, I think, if I'm not mistaken, in the reenactment, like the ninja's getting chased and he turns around, lines up a shot, and it like bounces right off the Spartan. Or he, he bounces, he pulls the shield up and it just dings off the shield. And, and just like, like, fuck, that didn't work. Like he has a giant uh, three-foot shield in front of him. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I, the shuriken, though, I found some interesting stuff with that. Yeah, so, love to hear it. Yeah, a lot of this stuff... And this is sort of why, theoretically, it could be an interesting matchup. A lot of the ninja weapons are designed to get around armor. 
Okay. Um, so the shuriken really weren't used so much to throw. A lot of times they would be used as like caltrops for people to trip over. And especially um, they would sometimes put them in animal poop and it would cause an infection, which was incurable back then. Interesting. So, See, that um, makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Because I love when they introduce the shuriken. Um, they He comes out and he says... Yes. This is the most lethal weapon ever made. <laughs> yeah, it's really versatile. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah. So it throws it at the dummy and it bounces off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that makes a lot more sense, Craig, because when we see them throw the shurikens at the dummies, like it sinks into the wood pretty good. But when they throw it at like the dummies, it only goes in like maybe like half an inch or something like that. And I just I guess if that hits you in the neck or the eyeball, like it's going to be it's going to hurt really bad. I don't know if aside from nicking a very specific artery, like not lethal. I don't you know what I mean? Weight to have like any piercing power. To right. It. It's very I mean, they're just it relies on being razor sharp. Like it's yeah. a, Armand Dorian describes it as like four scalpels, basically. So I could see it being like a lethal weapon. It's just. In the way they present it in this particular fight, it seems kind of useless. Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, I do not want a ninja star thrown at me. Right. So, yes. yeah. But you obviously, know, they, they, they mention also you can put it in between your fingers, almost like a uh, punching brass knuckle. Interesting. I feel so. It's super versatile. But the traditional like throwing star, yeah, you have to hit a very specific part of the body, mm-hmm. and a ninja is probably not going to do that. Like the type of units that they were used as is are not going to have a, a head-on fight with a samurai, you know what I mean, historically. So yeah. they're going to use it in a lot more crafty ways. You but, can use it as a brass knuckle. How well, Do you cut your own hand open? Well, maybe it's when, only edged on certain sides, you know. So, yeah, that's okay, true. Or you might have, like, a pad across your palm. Yeah. See, okay, I got a really cool. I'm going to redesign the shuriken where there's um, – We'll do two sharp edges and then we'll kind of continue it down in like a little metal piece and we'll we'll wrap like a handle around that and then we'll we'll, we'll put a sheath over it and then you can pull it out of the sheath and you know stab with it. You know, idea. I'm reinventing yeah. the wheel here. It's not a bad that's not a bad idea. Um so it's called a knife people. I guess you know, a ninja could carry like a lot of these and throw them and they had to put it on the show because it's the logo of the show. The logo of the show <laughs> it's, is, it's true. I think, a Spartan inside of a ninja throwing star, right? Yeah. I think that is the logo. So uh, probably a shout out to their their pilot heroes. But yeah, in this episode, I just don't know how much use it is against the Spartan. And it does get zero kills in the sim. So uh <laughs> Now the, that. the javelin. It's it's not as though the Spartan is really bringing a beauty queen here himself, <laughs> or the Spartan wouldn't bring it at all because yes, uh, you have some important points about the javelin. Go for it, Luke. Tell yeah, us the all Spartan about warriors it. would not carry a javelin. They carried their uh, dory spear and shield. It was the uh, the non Spartan citizens, the lesser warriors, that carried the slings and the javelins. Ah, uh, so they they were like the ranged units. Yes. Kind of. Okay. Well, did they have you? Do they have like specific cast names or whatever? It's like um, the Helos and the. Yeah, I wrote it down. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. Right. So that's it's the hoplites and the. Uh, yeah, 
Because yeah. the hoplites is spearmen. Yeah, the hoplite is like the regular Spartan warriors that would carry. That's like that's what you think of. That's the three hundred guys. Okay. And then, um, this show does that. Um, for I, I won't touch on any future episodes because we'll stick to this one. But in future episodes where there is different types of a certain warrior, they'll just kind of combine them together in a mishmash. Our ne- the next episode we do is Apache versus Gladiator, and the Gladiator is a perfect example of like <laughs> we'll, we'll they mash yes we will they mash like three different versions of a gladiator into one thing so i mean just look at like the the hoplite the spartan warrior where would he carry a javelin to 